Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of IP Frequently, the uh, only podcast available for those of you who like your IP news sprinkled together with some morning zoo fun. Uh, Today, I have some important news. Uh, Brad and I are back together again in front of our live studio audience for the first time in a long time. We are social distancing and doing all of this through masks, face guards, and other paraphernalia. Shin guards. Shin guards and and rubber rubber gloves, but that's something different. Uh, And in in light of the fact that we're back together again, there's only really one song we can lead with, and that's, of course, Reunited by Peaches and Herb. So let's hear it, Brad. Let's do it. Brad, what do you think? Oh, I, well, I, undoubtedly, it does feel so good, my friend. It I mean, does. I think, uh, I think you can't you can't deny that. I, I think the real criticism of that song, if there is one, is 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 actually the name of the band. I mean, where, where does that even come from? Well, who would have ever thought that two weeks after that song was recorded, Herb would have thrown himself off the Chrysler Building in Midtown Manhattan, landing on peaches? Unfortunately, not landing on peaches, no. but landing anyway. Yeah. But that's uh, a good song. It, it's got some faults. Yeah, that's but, all of them uh, do. But, but here we are. So here we are. do you want to go ahead and lead us into our uh, guest star? Sure. Well, we are, are very fortunate to have with us today here on IP Frequently and in, in front of our live studio audience, also social distancing, wearing masks and, and cups that we've provided. We're thrilled and pleased <laughs> to have Mr. Bob Burke with us. Uh, this afternoon. And again, Brad, I should ask, should we start with Bob now or should we wait for traffic and weather together on the 8th? Uh, well, let's let's introduce Mr. Burke and let him tell our audience a little bit about himself. I will tell you that Bob is a bon vivant and a man about town, a man of many talents, uh, most of which, well, certainly I don't possess. David has some of them. But Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, bonjour. Nice to be here. And Bob, uh, why don't you uh, enlighten our audience here? To just tell us a little bit about yourself. You're obviously a restaurateur. And, uh, well, I wouldn't do... say that's obvious. Well, yeah, I guess it's obvious to me, uh, but to it's no one else. dined but... at his restaurant probably about a half dozen times. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and enjoyed myself in, in every experience. If you're looking for a good beef bourguignon, Bob is your man. Uh, but he is a restaurateur. He also has, uh, I'm going to let him explain it, he also has a very unique skill that, that few people have been certified in, and with good reason. So, Bob, give us a little bit of background there. Yeah, I am a, uh, a member of the uh, Moët et Chandon Club des Sabreurs. We are a, uh, a band of uh, merry men and women who uh, set about the land uh, with sabers in hand and slice open bottles of champagne with our swords and and when you say saber bob i mean tell our folks here for those that that can't see you waving it about in a somewhat dangerous manner uh <laughs> if you could explain i mean this is a real sword i mean this is not a euphemism here this is a napoleonic saber 30 inches in length a cavalry saber 
And uh, this tradition harks back to the um, ancient regime of Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, and um, what happened is, is that the uh, folks at Moëté Chandon uh, wanted their uh, product to be endorsed by uh, the most famous celebrities of the day. And in uh, uh, as we do today, you always want a good product placement and a great brand representative. And there was nobody bigger name in the world at that time than Napoleon and his uh, beloved Josephine. And um, uh, he would, uh, when he was returning uh, from the front, he would uh, send a message to Josephine to not bathe for three days that he was on his way. That's just a a little aside for the uh, IP Daily. And um, uh, the... um, Troops uh, that would accompany him, his secret service, to, depre- to prevent the dreaded coup d'état, the cutting off of the head of the head of state. Uh, they would, at the end of a very tense and stressful day, when they went to uh, Moet to visit, uh, they would get their daily ration of grog. And, of course, they handed out bottles of champagne to them. And being the uh, manly men and impatient soldiers that they were, they had no time to bother with that uh, little wire basket on twisting it and messing with the cork. And in frustration, out came the uh, sabers and sacre bleu, off came the tops using the swords. And they would actually cut the neck of the bottle off. It's not some cheap trick. Do we have some music for that one? We a little live at Budokan, maybe, guys. Um, yeah. And um, the uh, no cheap trick. It was the real thing. It was an actual slicing of the glass, a cutting of the neck of the bottle. The tradition continues to this day with those of us who are lucky enough to have been inducted into the Moëté Chandon Club des Sabreurs. So there's quite a lot of tradition. It's a load of fun to do. The champagne goes sky high, uh, two, three stories in the air when done properly. And um, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, fortunately, uh, you know, f- the folks here um, have not yet had an opportunity to see that. We see that Bob is, has brought at, at least half a dozen bottles of champagne that we hope he will savor for us here. Uh, after the show for our studio audience, it's one of the reasons that we've provided masks and cups. Uh, David and I have uh, have had the opportunity on a number of occasions to see Bob perform this. Uh, I think it's fair to call it a ritual, Bob. Yes. We've uh, had the opportunity to see Bob perform this. It is impressive. Champagne does go everywhere. And uh, who doesn't like that, David? Well, no, nobody doesn't like that. Everyone, right. everyone enjoys that. So that's... Uh, that's always a, a good thing, especially the aftermath when you drink the champagne and pick the shards of uh, glass out of your teeth. Yeah, but again, there's no better way to clean no, your teeth. No, no that's, that's razor true. sharp, uh, razor sharp glass. But we'll um, we'll go ahead and uh, include maybe a link to uh, Bob savoring sure, the champagne absolutely. bottles in yeah. our uh, in our uh, in our podcast uh, feed. Jared can handle that, or Patrick. Yeah. Um, but uh, what's 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 really interesting, uh, Bob, uh, with Bob is that he has a lot of great political stories as well. And that's one of the things we've bonded over. Of course, Brad was uh, intimately involved in uh, the death of several foreign leaders. And of course, this will probably be blacked out by the government. Yeah. Um, but, mm-hmm. Bob, why don't you tell our listeners your favorite political story? 
Oh, my favorite political story. Let's see. There are, there are many. Um, uh, you know, most of mine are, are kind of Rhode Island oriented. Um, and, um, some people around the country, um, are familiar with the notorious former mayor and now deceased, uh, Buddy Cianci is, uh, that's someone that people may have heard of around the country. As Some I, of the best pasta sauce you can buy, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, sometimes you get a thumb in there. Sometimes you get, uh, you know, pinky <laughs> ring. Yeah. I mean, these things happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Buddy, uh, of course, our restaurant has been in Providence now for 48 years, which means that we were there both under Buddy 1 and Buddy 2. Um, for those not familiar, uh, Buddy uh, attempted uh, after the uh, after he got into office, um, he and his wife were getting divorced, and he attempted to extort her lover into paying the alimony for the divorce, and um, uh, beat the man with a log, put a cigarette out on his private parts, and doused him with like a gentleman. Scotch. What you're saying. Um, yeah. some people say in an attempt to, to light him on fire. Yeah. And, um, uh, so Buddy was a good customer. <laughs> he wasn't really a good customer. <laughs> a gentleman. He was an yeah. arm's length customer. Buddy was one of those people you loved knowing and having come around occasionally. Unless, of course, he had a so, lit cigarette. In which case. You well, you know, it's interesting. After Brad, as, as all of our listeners know, Brad, um, spent considerable time in the Navy. Um, after he uh, was kicked out of UVA, uh, similar to uh, Edward Moore Kennedy being kicked out of Harvard. But um, Brad, uh, some of his friends in the Bureau were the ones that got Buddy in the yes. early 2000s. Correct. Yeah, yeah. 29 counts, a RICO count. And um, uh, the story I will tell you is actually kind of fun because it's very timely because um, – only recently, uh, Sergei Khrushchev, um, uh, who is Nikita Khrushchev's son, the Russian dictator who uh, pounded his shoe famously on the podium at the UN when he addressed it. His son uh, came to Providence and was a professor at Brown University. And on the night that Buddy uh, was finally convicted, uh, everybody thought um, he would go into seclusion. He was scheduled that night to appear with 600 people at the Providence Place Cinemas for the premiere of a movie called K-19, The Widowmaker, about a Russian submarine. And he and Khrushchev were co-hosting the uh, event at my former restaurant, the Federal Reserve. So um, I had been to Moscow, and I knew the Russians loved to drink frozen vodka, so I ordered up online these three wonderful um, uh, bottles of Rud Red Army vodka that were tipped with red nose cones, and the bottles were shaped like small rockets. And uh, we froze them. Buddy and I and Sergei Khrushchev sat down and began pounding the frozen vodka and after about 35 minutes, everyone at the table was completely inebriated. And at that moment, Buddy Cianci turned to Khrushchev's son 
and said these immortal words. Now listen, when the Politburo was trying to oust your father, tell me what he did to stay in power. (laughs) (laughs) So, buddy, on his way off to prison, was getting advice from a Russian dictator's son on how to remain the mayor of Providence after all. So he was seeking the help of a foreign power yes. to retain to his influence seat. a U.S. election. Yes. They, were they were clearly tampering with the Providence mayor. Anyway, but and it's... To um, subvert the federal judiciary, to undo a judge's conviction using whatever means necessary. Someone should call Bob Mueller. Mueller? Mueller. Bobby Three Six? Mueller. You knew him, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we'd met, of course. So, but never drinking rocket-shaped vodka. I can tell you that. I'll tell you what, though. Buddy was a buddy was a character. So, Bob, you have operated Potafu in 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 Providence, one of the great restaurants, uh, really one of the great French restaurants in the Northeast, a restaurant that was frequented by Julia Childs and Russian dictators' children. Um, but obviously, one of the one of the things that's going on now, this terrible COVID pandemic that's sweeping the globe. Really, I can't think of any business that's been more adversely affected by COVID um, than the restaurant business, even folks that have established brands like you do. Um, it's a terrible thing that's happened to the restaurant industry. And on top of that, you have the, um, the, the protests or the riots that have taken place as soon as the restaurants started to open up. Maybe you could talk for a minute, as unpleasant as it is, about some of the challenges you've faced and some of the things that people need to know about uh, about the, uh, the, the the current state of the restaurant uh, is industry. Well, I you know, first of all, David, I want to you know publicly thank you because you stepped up and were a very big part of um, of us being able to continue on um, with our doors staying open, because as you well know, uh, you funded the frontline meals and we ended up doing almost 2000 of them over uh, a two month period uh, where we sent meals and kept our workers busy. um, Thanks to uh, the generosity of you and your wife and some other members of our community who were inspired by your efforts and um, uh, began to match uh, donations that you had put up and working with your church, we formed this great uh, group and many other restaurants around the country were able to do similar kinds of things. And it really made a difference getting us out of the gate and staying open. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to restart a business after it's been shut down for a while. And um, between curbside, um, which we were able to do every weekend, and uh, the meals that were going out to the caregivers three days a week, uh, and some creative things um, where we did, for instance, Zoom jazz nights, where we would have a live jazz performer, and folks would come to the restaurant by curbside and go home, and we'd start an hour-long jazz performance live on Zoom. And we did that from cities, uh, not just from Providence, but we originated a jazz performance from Austin, and um, on one night, we did one live from Paris, which was pretty, pretty cool. So, you know, one of the big things you, you have to do, and you have to do it every day in the restaurant business, COVID or no COVID, uh, you have to be creative. You have to be ready to respond to changing times. 
And um, I, I think that there are going to be a lot of restaurants, unfortunately, that are going to fail as a result of this. Um, and there's going to be a, a whole group of restaurateurs who get creative, who dig in, who find new ways to um, deliver their product, which is hospitality. You know, a lot of people think our product's food. It really isn't. Our product is an experience and it's hospitality. And there's always going to be a way to deliver that. And the question is, how do we go forward and deliver that in the best way possible, uh, given these circumstances? And I think every restaurateur right now has the same feeling. You know, we, we feel like we were on the Titanic when it hit the iceberg. We're in the water. And the trick now is not to be able to swim to shore because that isn't going to happen. But how do we stay afloat long enough uh, so that when the rescue ship comes, um, you know, we're still alive? I think that's the big thing. Well, you also don't want to end up in that lifeboat with Kathy Bates. No. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think it's important. Although, I think it's Kathy would make a good meal if you. Um, she would, she would make it. Oh, yeah. Now you're getting yeah. to the movie Alive, which yeah. Brad is very uh, familiar <laughs> with. That's happened, what, three times to you? At least. <laughs> Saved by Kathy Bates all three times, yeah. I might add. Yeah. So It's a lot of, yeah, a lot yeah. of rump. But no, it's it's important, as, as you know, we all know it's important to these small businesses are the literally the backbone of our country. It's important to support them any way you can. Um, and Potafu is an institution, incredibly, incredibly important. And, and even more than that, like literally the best food, oh, man. the best French food I've ever had. I tell you what, I mean, I, I am not, I, I don't pretend to be, I have no talent in the kitchen, but I can consume food with the best of them. And I, I've been to Potafu a number of times and never been disappointed. In fact, I had to sort of, roll myself out of there trying to make as much room as I could for for the food they provide. In fact, David and I were there. You know, it, it's interesting that Bob would bring up that he's in the hospitality business and not the food business because once while we were there with an out-of-town business guest, Bob literally set himself on fire in an effort to ensure that our guest yeah, had a good time. Uh, had a good time. And and it's, it's, I mean, no word of a lie. The it man barely was worked. in flames. It barely yeah. worked, but it did seem but to. But it did. It did, it, did, uh, it did pull the dinner through. And so, listen, folks, if you're looking for good French food and perhaps a flaming restaurateur, uh, then Pot of is the place for you. And just quickly, for those of you who are tuning in for the Chess podcast, we are not doing it this week. Uh, but I can tell you um, Bishop to Queen Six. Bishop to Queen Six. Oh, man. Again, Bishop to Queen Six. Um, okay, good. So uh, we, we've talked about uh, some of the background with Bob. I think now we can get into some of our award-winning segments, Brad. Indeed. Again, our, our, our company, uh, Dominion Harbor, has won a, one bronze Stevie Award, uh, which, of course, is, as Brad has said and, and famous people have said in the past, uh, diamonds are forever, and so is so is Brad. So is a Bronze Stevie. And so is a Bronze Stevie. So anyway, uh, award-winning segments. And again, Bob doesn't know much about this, but we do have this famous segment called Time Machine. Mm. Um, time Machine is where we send someone back in time, yeah. um, someone on the show, with a uh, piece of uh, technology, yep. if a you will. A single item. One item. 
um, from the future, mm-hmm. and they can do something with it. And it can be the JFK assassination. It can be the Lincoln assassination. It can be uh, the uh, the the whole Magna Carta thing, which I believe happened in the 1940s. Um, so it could be just about anything, right? Um, and then you go back in time and you deal with it. I, you know, the, the, one of the episodes when we had uh, uh, Bill Morgan on, yeah. Um, he went back in time with that four pack of Zima to the Len Bias death and, and screwed it all up. Just drank the Zima. Yeah, drank the Zima and then sat down while Len Bias, of course, made a poor decision. Again. Now we can blame it on on Mr. Morgan, but that's you know, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. So so Brad and I had spent a lot of time and since it's around the holiday, July fourth, we were prepared to talk about time machine and uh going back to July fourth, uh eighteen twenty six, which of course is uh, our nation's uh, birthday, um, mm-hmm. but also the day that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams uh, both passed away. And we were going to send Bob back with one uh, cryonics pod. And then for those of you who are playing the home game, yes, that is the pod that Ted Williams' head was put in. Mm-hmm. And Bob was going to have to make the choice of whether or not to save Adams or Jefferson or someone else. Or someone else for that matter. Yeah, I mean, someone else for that Bob matter. might run into a pleasant young lady. Correct. Yeah, that you want to just preserve, and you to think you know what, Adams and Jefferson are great, but yeah, I'm going to. They've already this. written their books; they've done their thing. Yeah, but but yeah. now hearing what we've heard on this podcast, we've sort of decided to shift gears a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to send Brad back in time to the uh, to the big uh, dinner with uh, Bob Ivan Koloff, mm. Russian vodka, uh-huh. and uh, Bob Burke uh-huh. with subpoena power. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So, Brad, let me, ask you, let me ask you this. If Brad, yeah. you're back in time. Okay. You're sitting at the table with Bob, with Buddy Cianci, with uh, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, loads of Russian vodka. Yeah. And you have subpoena power. You basically, you're basically the Robert Mueller of your time. And again, you don't have Zima because you can't have more than one item. More than one. And you're item. also in the in the to be honest and and, and in the full uh, sense of the uh, time machine segment. Uh, you are fully stripped down and naked, right? Because of the Terminator up. effect. The Terminator yeah, effect. Because you can't, you know, once you go back through the the time machine, you can't wear clothes. And that's fine. It sounds like it was a party where you know I would not be the only one walking around naked and buffed up. So uh, that probably doesn't draw attention. So I'm not worried about that. I have subpoena power. In front of me are Buddy Cianci and Khrushchev's kid. And and Nikolai Volkov, I believe, and, and Nikolai Volkov, and of who's, course, who is, by the way, the greatest Russian wrestler this side of who? the Mississippi. I think this side of yeah, yeah, Kiev, well, Kiev probably is right. Maybe, maybe the Volga River would be a better river to use. <laughs> oh, again, you know, once again, yeah. yeah, you know more about uh, ancient geography than I do, Brad. <laughs> west of the oh. Urals, yeah, west west of the Ural Mountains or the Volga River, whatever. But I mean, obviously, so this this is a trick, right? So, I mean, by the way, it does sound like someone's called in the dogs at this point. Well, I mean, they're they're on my heels. I'm, I mean, I'm Jeez. buck naked with subpoena power, and Buddy Cianci's there. The dogs are on my heels. Um, but this is this is this so is you've a traveled track. back in time with a pack of wild dogs, a pack of wild dogs, Who and I'm naked. Who let the dogs out? Who let yep. the dogs out? And. Uh, you know, but luckily, see, this is where an amateur screws this up, where right? you try to use the subpoena powers on Khrushchev or you try to use them on Cianci. None of that's going to work. Those guys are all lawyered up. The Russian has diplomatic immunity. So diplomatic I, immunity. I can't subpoena him. So you just you turn to Mr. Burke, who at this point, uh, as far as we know, is not on fire. And uh, and you subpoena him 
with your federal subpoena powers for the recipe for his beef bourguignon, my friend. That's oh, what you that. do. Look at that. Yeah. Brad Sheaf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but, that's that's how you play that card. I mean, I'm buck naked. I need to at least have a decent meal. And then he pleads the fifth, of course. Yeah. Well, he's not going to give that. you that. He may not. He may not. But I'm, I'm at least going to use my power for something that will uh, will be for the good of all mankind. And that is to make sure that Bob Burke's beef bourguignon recipe survives into the future Regardless of any attempt Mr. Burke makes to back into a table candle uh, while covered in kitchen grease, which and has just happened. Just to prove my respect for the law, I'm going to respond to the subpoena right now by giving you the recipe. From a French chef at uh, the Cheval Blanc in Dijon, he said to me, Beaucoup de boeuf, beaucoup d'épices, beaucoup de vin rouge. And I said to him, oh, come on, I thought you were going to give me the recipe. He said, what, are you an idiot? I just did. Now get out of my restaurant. Whoa. Me out. That's it? So there you have it. And then and then finally, Brad, um, we should talk to our award-winning segment, time-tested and true. And true. Barter Band. Barter band, and right. and in the in in the uh, interest of um, Bob's industry and the current COVID pandemic, and again, I remind you, we are under a orange um, code orange co- code orange at this po- point in time. Um, buffets should they be barred or banned? And we should ask Bob. We should ask Bob. Well, let's start with Bob because Bob is a is as we've we've made clear here, a noted restaurateur and a man who understands both food and hospitality and, and the concept of a buffet. And food. And food. So, Bob, what do you think? So we did this segment, is, as you probably figured out already, we decide whether or not something should be barred or banned or perhaps allowed to continue. And so the question before us, the three of us here today, is buffets. Do we bar them, ban them? What happens? Well, technically, there are four of us because Jared is on the line, just to... to Full disclosure. Full disclosure. We do. We, we want to make sure that we're not in violation of the federal Title III laws. Jared is on the line as well. Correct. I would not eat from a buffet if oh, I it. had spent the last 40 days walking with Jesus in the desert eating nothing but sand. <laughs> so you're so saying Bob, Bob waffles on this topic, obviously. Well, well, he's really not. He's undecided. But I he's think. not clear. Will you bar it? Bob, would you bar it or ban it? I would. I would ban it. And, uh, uh, you know, that would be my definitely banned. And, um, I mean, to be truthful, I, I wouldn't eat at a buffet before COVID-19. So why would I eat at one after? You know what's happened here, Dave? We've actually had Bob, and we're going to continue this. Bob has added a third category. We have banned, we have barred, and we have Bob wouldn't do it. Bob wouldn't do it. No. No, no way. I mean, when we have good friends who love the buffets. I mean, Don went... They all love them, and they uh, they go on the cruises, and they just – that's all they do is buffet. No sneeze guard either. I'm telling you, it's old school. Oh, I've seen some things. I've And they eat – they just eat. They will eat a full plate, like they'll get the, like four of the eggs Benedict, and then they'll do the um, the, the, the big uh, – the, the French toast. Then they'll get the breakfast sandwich. Um, but, but they, you know, and, and it's like <laughs> I, I can't even – it's tough to watch. It is. Oh, it's, it's tough, tough to even hear. Do you know what guy I am at the buffet? 
I'm the guy who doesn't even pick up a plate. I just walk down the buffet eating out of the pans. Not a boy with chopsticks. No pretense that you're going to put anything, cram 11 things onto a tiny plate. No pretense. I just walk down the buffet picking things off that I want to eat. And um, that's why I don't do. I don't even think the bread is good at the buffet. I mean, I I will not. I I tend to agree. I won't eat the salad. No, I won't eat. And there's literally nothing. If someone else has been to that buffet before, right. um, and Brad knows, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't, um, I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I've seen Brad, you know, Brad, Brad loves the buffet at the American Express Lounge in Narita Airport. I've seen in your presence. Someone- we've actually seen someone eat an entire steak, the whole thing, nearly. 16 ounces of beef, then head for the American Express Lounge in uh, San Francisco, in San Francisco and consume pork ribs, I believe. At the at the lounge. Yeah. We've seen that a crock pot. Yeah. Bob, you would have been horrified. You you would have had to have left. I, well, I am. I yeah. Am. And the yeah. only other one of the people who show up at the buffet with their pockets lined with uh, Ziploc bags and baggies to uh, put things into the pockets so they can take them home. Well, you know, my my grandmother, God rest her soul, never spent a dime on Ziploc, not a damn dime on Ziploc bags because it was too much. She would always go, whenever we went shopping, we used to go, there's a place called Star Market in Providence. Mm. And we would always make a beeline for the back because that's where they'd have the rack of like dented cans. And then you get the beef that's about to expire. That's how I, that's how I grew up. But my grandmother, we, we would go out to eat once. We would go to Atlantic City for a month, uh, in the summer. Because my grandmother and grandfather always uh-huh. went there in the, uh-huh. in the late seventies, and we would go to a place called we'd go out to eat once a week. Yep, and we would go to a place called Tony's Baltimore Grill, and she would get the little hard Italian rolls. Oh yeah, and she would take the basket when it came to the table <laughs> right away, dump it in the purse. Yeah, the, the next girl. basket, dump it yeah, in the purse. Yeah. The butter, the salt, yeah, pay, yeah. and like because these these were depression era people. That's right? correct. Yeah, and uh, and that's how she that. But her Ziploc bag was literally her purse. And if, if there was a Ziploc bag, I guarantee you, God rest her soul, that woman would have used it 200 times before oh, she gave it up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I Easy. I had an uncle who used to dent the cans of what he wanted and then would go back to the store. He knew that they would pull the store for the dented cans on Thursday. And on Wednesday, he'd go in and bang the cans together that he wanted to buy. <laughs> And then he'd go back Thursday and buy the cans that he had dented himself. See, that's let me tell you what—that's genius. That's next level. Yep. They would have the sharpie yeah. written on the top, and yeah. they'd tell you what, like nineteen cents or yeah. twenty-nine cents. And then she'd go get the cube steak that was about to expire. And, yeah. and there is there is nothing worse than cube steak. There is nothing worse than stringy. I, I don't even know what that. Yeah, I don't I'm even know what, sure that, what is. that is. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell you what. It's been uh, another great episode of. Um, IP frequently. We've got this. We, we have to go because the studio audience here is ready for Bob to start sabering these sabering bottles. The champagne. And we've got everything from champagne bottles. We've got some light beer. Yeah. Uh, we've got some shampoos. We've got so, a bottle of sriracha that Bob's going to It's going to be, yeah. And again, yeah. we all do have our yeah. social distancing in we place, do. so that should be yeah. fine. But again, goggles down, folks, and cups in place. Uh, we'll do the champagne first, and then the sriracha, and then the Coors Light. Folks, it's been it's been a blast here. Another episode of IP Frequently, and we look forward to talking with you all next week. Thank you, Bob.